With market oversaturation, people are overwhelmed by the vast amount of content available to consume. That's why podcasting is such an essential strategy for business promotion. However, starting your own podcast is no simple feat. You need the right guidance to make sure that your podcast stands out from the rest and puts you on the path towards success. That's where my podcast launch intensive comes in. It provides a 10-week intensive training course with four to five activities for people to complete each week allowing them to overcome the common obstacles for a podcast launch. The main goal of the podcast launch intensive is to help you save on time, effort, and money caused by common do-it-yourself podcast mistakes. It's about making intentional decisions that will help you get started and find success in your podcasting journey. Join the intensive today. Visit dannyosmond.com PLI to find out more. Welcome back, everybody. I am really excited for this week's episode. You know, last week I had one of my clients, Paul Klein, on, and he talked a lot about pricing and how we can improve our business by just getting our pricing right um, when we're making proposals and things like that. And he also shared some nuggets there as well. This week I have another client on, Jeff Coleman. Jeff is a an amazing copywriter. He's an expert at copywriting. And he came on and we had a great discussion about, you know, the why of copywriting and the how of copywriting. His podcast is called The Psychology of Copywriting. And he really dives into that of why we do it and how it works. Um, and we talked about things like, you know, why should businesses care about copywriting and what common mistakes people make in copywriting? And also, you know, what happens in someone's brain when they hear a story, you know, in copywriting, we use story a lot. And in podcasting, we use it as well. So we went into what's happening inside the brains. And then Jeff gives us some of his um, go-to copywriting techniques. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode. Um, without further ado, here's Jeff. Okay, so Jeff, you are now a client of mine. So this is an interesting interview for me. You're also a friend, like we've, we've been in a mastermind together now for over a year at least. I think it's over a year. Mm -hmm. I've been in that mastermind for a long time, so it's hard to hard to keep track of. Um, but I love your podcast, Psychology of Copywriting, because it's a very different take on the podcast that I'm used to. You know, I have probably 10 clients who have marketing podcasts, who have pod podcasts that talk about copywriting all the time, people who are copywriters. But yours is a very different spin on getting into the why of copywriting. Why does it work? How does it work? So I'll maybe start in the, the deep scientific end of this and, and back up to some of the basics. But why should someone care? Why should a personal brand care? Why should a business care about neuroscience, about psychology, and the scientific stuff that you're, you're infusing into copywriting? It's a great question. Um, the best way, the simplest way that I've found to, to answer that. So mutual friend of ours, Mike Kim, uh, him and Ray Edwards teamed up and they sold a, some copywriting templates and they said only amateurs start from scratch. That was their, their tagline. I would adapt that and say as copywriters, as marketers, uh, only amateurs just write. 
as an art form, right? Or even, even doing sales. But if you're actually professional, if you're actually wanting to, to do copywriting as a career, or if you already are, I mean, your copy is going to be weak. It's not going to be as strong as it could be if you're not figuring out what's going on in your client's brain, in your prospect's brain. Um, and that's what's always, I've always kind of geeked out on this stuff anyway. So it was natural for me just to combine the art and the science of copywriting. But um, if you really want to be driving your own sales or your client's sales, there's no excuse to not be looking into this stuff. Um, any other job, you know, if we used to have a, a desk job or whatever, um, you'd, you'd get really good at your job by, by researching it, by figuring it out, by figuring out better ways to do things or whatever. Uh, and that's exactly what neuroscience and linguistics and psychology teach us about the art of copywriting is how to do it better, how to increase sales by using little tricks and hacks to, to get inside people's brains. Yeah. It, um, it reminds me, you know, we're, we're on a podcast talking about podcasting <laughs> and I know that copywriting is an important tool for anyone, any brand, any business. Um, but it reminds me of, of what I talk about a lot with podcasters is, is how, why do podcasts work? Why do they create a stronger relationship than a lot of other things? And it does come down to that art, uh, the psychology of it, of, um, you know, I joke a lot that people are listening to podcasts. They are, you know, they're doing everything. They're in the cars, they're working out, but they're also getting ready in the morning. They're inviting you into their lives at times when normally the only other person there would be uh, a partner, a family member, or something like that. So I can see how that psychological connection or influence is very important. Um, whenever you're selling something, whenever you're getting asking someone to do something or, or follow something or download something. Um, so what are the biggest mistakes that businesses, brands, people who are starting communities, uh, what, what mistakes are they making with copywriting and, and marketing? And, and how do you, as someone who is a copywriter and also teaching people about copywriting, how do you help them fix those mistakes? Yeah, I, there's so many, again, amateur versus professional. I mean, it sounds rude and I'm Canadian, so I'm, I'm feeling the offense. <laughs> I feel like apologizing, but I won't. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's a few really key ideas that, that we can get into. The first one, though, is it ties right into podcasting about building that trust, right? You're in, I think you say, um, you know, we've been naked together, essentially. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're doing your morning routine and, and you're listening to a podcast. Um, study after study after study just show that building trust, building relationships builds revenue, increases sales, right? So um, just the idea through copy, even that you can build that trust, which builds that relationship, which builds the revenue. Uh, and one of the ways to do that, one of the really easy ways to do that is uh, aligning your brand voice, the way that you talk, what you talk about, how you say it, uh, essentially your brand personality, aligning that to uh, your client, your ideal client's aspirations. So figuring out you know, what's going on in their brain, and this goes way beyond just building out an avatar, but doing deep, deep research and, and figuring out who they are on a, on a much deeper level uh, so that you can speak in a way and, and say certain things that are going to 
really make them pay attention, make their brain light up like a Christmas tree uh, and build that connection with you. Um, maybe you've heard the saying synapses that fire together, wire together. Well, you essentially want yeah. uh, your brand and their brand to wire together, right? And that's what you can do by building that alignment between what you say, how you say it, and their dreams, their aspirations, their goals. Um, okay. That's been the biggest biggest way that I think most people are missing out on. Um, they build an avatar and then they just kind of, they might touch on it, but they never actually do the work of figuring out how do we align ourselves with our ideal client. Mm -hmm. One of the things with podcasting that really connects with people and, and helps that relationship be so authentic um, between the podcasting host and the listener is the fact that this is almost a, a primal thing for people listening to podcasts. You know, we've, since we've been in caves, we've been sharing stories, right? We've been telling stories and that's how information has been passed on. That's how information, um, that's how we've connected with each other and, and passed our information down through different generations. And I know that you as a copywriter significantly started in, um, I won't, I won't say who, but focusing mostly on stories and using story in your copywriting and story-based approaches. Um, and like I said, you know, I've heard probably 10 of my clients talk about stories and how to write stories and use them in copywriting. Um, but since you talk more about what's going on scientifically and what's going on in the brain, what is happening, happening in someone's brain, the listener's brain, the reader's brain, when someone hears or reads a story, why are they so powerful? Yeah. Um, well, we don't have to mention the the story thing, but I mean, stories help to build your brand. Yeah. Maybe people can draw the connection there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Stories are, are so powerful. And, and um, I just released a, an episode of my podcast about uh, the amount that the human brain daydreams. It's, it's mm -hmm. like 46.9% of the time the human mind is wandering. Um, and which is an evolutionary marvel. It means that, you know, we didn't have to just focus on, on uh, exactly what was going on in that present moment. We had the margin to be able to, to build in daydreaming, you know, project ourselves to somewhere that we're not, mm -hmm. uh, either in the past or the, the present moment, but somewhere else or the future. Uh, and that's, that's helped us thrive as a species, but it's also meant that our brains developed the ability to tell story and to imagine and um, which is which is fascinating in its own right, and and really stories they engage so many different parts of the brain. Um, like the the visual cortex is going off, right? Like so much is is happening in the brain as people are engaged in a story, and it's fascinating because the story starts to do the daydreaming for us. Um, so essentially, through copy, as you're writing out story based marketing you can kind of direct where their wanderings are going. You can, uh, not manipulatively, you don't want to do that, but or maybe you do, but I don't. Um, I meant the listener, not you, Danny. But anyway. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, I know, I know. Yeah, like, um, you, you hear the people out there that they are using copywriting to manipulate people into a totally, sale. You yeah. see them all the time on social media. Yeah. And you, I get, you are not one of those types of people. 
<laughs> Try not to be. Uh, so yeah, you can direct where their imagination is going to go. If if you're selling a bottle of wine, you know you can take them to Tuscany. Uh, if you're if you're selling a widget, you can take them to that after state of what life looks like once they've used your product. You can project that for them, um, which is what makes it so powerful. So it's not just uh, it's not just about you know once upon a time. It's not just storytelling for the sake of storytelling. It's it's telling a story that, again, connects deeply with their values, with their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations. Uh, because you've done that research, you know the story that they need to hear. Um, and it's taking them on the journey that ends in purchasing your product. I actually read some, some research done by PSYOPs, um, Psychological Operations mm-hmm. in the U.S. Military, uh, about their specific uh, uh, formula, story formula for turning terrorists into uh, assets, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, if if a story can do that, it's obviously very, very, very powerful. What they found was it needs to be incredibly relevant. So it has to be believable. You can't just mm-hmm. tell a fairy tale. Uh, the context has to make sense for their existing situation. Uh, and they have to identify with with the main character as well, obviously, because that's who you want them to uh, see themselves as in the story. And there's a bunch of other, um, obviously, a bunch of other facets in there. But the power of story, it it doesn't just sell our stuff. I mean, it it turns terrorists into better people. Well, I'm not going to say mm. good people, but into better people. Right. Uh, so if story can do that, certainly we can use it to to sell our widgets and and get more clients. Yeah, yeah, and. I want to take a moment to remind people. So your your podcast is called The Psychology of Copywriting. And, you know, I think we, the the Daydream episode is episode five, right? I think I, think I listened so, yeah. to it today. Yeah. It's coming out next week at the time we're recording this. Um, and I just want to urge people to to check out this podcast, The Psychology of Copywriting, because I've already heard at least three or four different articles with just the the strangest things that you have now taken and turned into um, information about why copywriting is so effective. And you're sharing this in every episode. Um, Each episode has uh, scientific research that you're talking about. You answer questions, you're doing all these things. Um, And I could ask you about five or six different things, but I want to get into... For someone like me, you know, I, I have a team, I have support, I, I, I'm smart enough to know that like, I'm not the best copywriter. So I hire someone to write things like emails where I'm gonna sell something or welcome sequences that lead people f- once they join my email list into getting to know me and getting to know what's available to them so that hopefully they become a customer. I'm smart enough to know that. But if if um, and I also have the resources where I can do that. Um, I believe everybody, you know, even with reasonable resources, you can find somebody to write copy that's better than you. And you're probably going to make more money when you outsource that type of thing. But for someone who really needs to understand, like, why the heck is this working? Like, what what should I do if I'm writing an email, if I'm creating a landing page, if I'm writing my about page, if I'm writing a sales page where at some point, in that copy, I'm trying to get somebody to do something. I think the term is direct response, right? I want them to click something, buy something, email, like whatever. 
what are the keys to that? Like, what should I really focus in on if I'm trying to do that myself that actually helps me connect with potential customers or potential uh, email list subscribers and then keeps them there, keeps them engaged. um, and, And then, and then hopefully makes my bottom line improve over time as a business. What should I be focusing on? A few things. First of all, never, um, never send, don't hit send too early, right? Or publish, whichever, it's a sales page or, a, or an email. Um, whatever you're writing, sleep on it before you send it because you're always going to reread it and change a bunch of stuff. At least I do. And I do this for a living. I come back to it and I go, ooh, what was I, what was I trying to say there? Um, and you can tell when people have just clicked send on an email. Um, maybe there's not typos. Maybe there's not gram, uh, grammatical errors. But, um, but you can still tell. It's, it's loose. It's not tight. There's extra words. There's, uh, there's, you know, there's this lack of focus to the email. So you can always tell. So practically speaking, just sleep on it or come back to it even an hour or two later and, and, uh, and edit the thing down so it makes more sense, so it's more clear and more crisp. Uh, and then click send or click publish. Um, another really uh, important thing, especially it, it doesn't have to be on sales pages, but it especially works on sales pages, is uh, to open up loops in in what you're writing. So you've probably seen uh, really good writers do this in their copy. You've also we've all seen this on TV shows um, back when we watched you know on cable with 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 uh, commercials, and then we'd have to wait a week for the next episode. But, uh, you know, the cliffhanger where an episode ends or even right before commercial break, where it leaves you with that cliffhanger. So you have to stick around or you have to come back next week, build that into your copy of, of say, Hey, I'm going to talk to you about this, this, and this. But first I just wanted to say this, um, you know, so that, so that you build a bit of that anticipation. Um, what song is it by queen? Uh, we are the champions. Uh, at the end of the song, if you go on YouTube or Spotify uh, and listen to it right now, or once this episode's done, you know, um, we, our brains remember that song usually as ending with, we are the champions of the world, but it actually just ends with, we are the champions and it doesn't have of the world at the end. And it bothers our brains that they don't finish that line. It leaves that loop open. There's this dissonance uh, there. Right. So, and you know, tons of this, of course, with, with music in general, but, um, the brain wants completion. The brain needs that completion. So when you open up a a loop with a story or just build that anticipation and tell them you're going to come back to it, um, the brain has to stay engaged. And so as you keep them engaged further and further down the page, you have the opportunity to, to, uh, do things we've already talked about to to align what your product is with their values and their their aspirations and and all those things and then you wrap up the story and that's uh, you've got them happy now because their brain's feeling good you've you've uh, uh, resolved that dissonance then you can make the pitch then you can make the sale uh, at that point and again whether it's in an email or a sales page or a sales script um, the same applies yeah and I mean I know. Like we we've mentioned Mike Kim already, mm-hmm. um, you know I have both learned from him, but I uh, you know I like what he's talked about for a while about you know he calls them his magic words or his phrases mm-hmm. that he uses. 
what like i get why those things are working but but what is happening when people see certain words um is is it something like you're saying with the the loop and the brain wants to close it like what's actually happening with that uh, sometimes it's that a, a lot of times it's that our brains are uh, and this goes back to story as well but our brains uh make sense of the world through seeing patterns right so that's why mm -hmm. story format works so well because our brain is is comfortable with that pattern our brain looks for that pattern um, so even things like like Mike's uh, magic words, you know, those those aren't necessarily patterns, but they're they're something that the brain just recognizes as, oh, this is something I need to pay attention to. This is going to be good. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't want to not a pattern in that it's repetitive. You don't want to uh, be overly repetitive in your copy, but you want to uh, again help the brain recognize, oh, this is a pattern. I want to pay attention. I want to see if this resolves. I want to see if this pattern completes. Um, so yeah, the, I mean, the brain's just fascinating. We, we really do understand more about space than we do about the human brain at this point. Yeah. Um, and even a bunch of the studies that I read or the majority of the studies that I read, mm -hmm. um, they still say, well, we think this, or this mm -hmm. is still mm -hmm. unknown, or there's, yeah. there's still debate about, you know, even, uh, I was reading a study yesterday, getting prepped for an episode of the podcast that there's still debate about how many parts there are in the prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. um, the majority opinion is probably that there's five, but there's a lot of, de yeah. there's debate about how many parts are in the, the prefrontal cortex. So there's still a lot for us to figure out in the brain, but we do know it loves patterns. That's why stories yeah. work. That's why all this stuff works. Uh, Cause the, the brain's trying to make sense of what's going on around us. Yeah. And that's why I, I think at that. some point, maybe I should introduce you to, um, one of my other clients, Dr. Ginger Campbell, mm. um, she has a long running podcast, Brain Science, yeah. where 12, 13 years now, you know, every month there's an hour and a half to two hour episode about neuroscience. Yeah. And for 12 years, you know, they've been telling she's brought back guests now that I've heard two or three times where they're revising stuff because in the mm. last three years they've learned something and they figured, and so they've changed and it's just fascinating, but they consistently, like you said, they're talking about how we, we think this, or we think this, or this person disagrees, but we're now looking at this because we've gotten this. It's, it just seems like it's like Star Trek where it's like every, <laughs> <laughs> there's a new frontier, you know, like yeah. every, every week there's something else they're figuring out. Um, and on the, on the show, I've heard you talk about, uh, I, like I would call it because I have a middle schooler. Um, my daughter's uh, a tween right now. I, I would call it peer pressure, but I've also heard you talk about like social norms, societal norms. How how does that fit into copywriting, and 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 how does that affect? Because I mean, I always think about like, well, if my neighbor gets a new car. I want a new car too, because I, you know, want to keep up with the Joneses or whatever, but what, what's going on there uh, psychologically, or if it's, if it's with the brain, you know, feel free yeah. to tell us more about the brain. I mean, social norms really are, uh, they, they developed as, as an evolutionary necessity, right? Or if you don't like mm -hmm. that term, it is as an adaption that we've made as a species to survive because what, um, what we see others doing and being successful at we we want to mimic it um mm -hmm. we want to make that our own norm because it's clearly helping them survive and thrive 
So our brains think, oh, I need, I need to do that so I can survive and thrive uh, and be part of a tribe as well. Um, there was a, a study done uh, by Robert Cialdini and others mm-hmm. uh, about hotel towels uh, and social norms. So those little signs in hotels uh, that say, hey, if you want to reuse your towel uh, to help save the environment, just hang it back up and we won't clean it. But if you want a new one, put it, leave it on the floor, put it in the bathtub, uh, and we'll, we'll give you new towels. And so they did uh, a bunch of different versions of that same sign, um, that same little hotel sign, and they, they found that social norms are actually quite, quite powerful, even in, in how we, um, even in how we use our towels in hotels. So it was uh, something like, and this study was, uh, I think, a decade ago. I expect the numbers would be higher now, but um, something like 40% of people would normally uh, reuse their towels just with like a help save the environment type of message. But when you build in the social norm of join your fellow hotel guests or join your fellow guests that stayed in room 319, um, the numbers mm-hmm. just skyrocket from there. So, um yeah, even social norms about hotel towels. I mean, it's it's hardwired into our brain, back near our brainstem, right? Of we just we need to survive by being like yeah. others around us. We're gonna get kicked out. <laughs> We're gonna be out in the jungle, yeah. all uh, alone, off the island, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's like I think that's probably why Survivor works, <laughs> and all the reality mm-hmm. shows. You want to be on the island. You want to be part of the group. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, want to be the weakest link. Yeah, I like. I could ask you a ton of other questions, but so we don't run too long. <laughs> um, what, what haven't I asked you that you think people really need to know about copywriting and or why it's important, why it works or what they need to know? The biggest thing that I tell people is make sure that, like I already said, you, you need to align who you are as a brand and how you talk as a brand with the um, ideals of your ideal client with who they aspire to be. Um, so there's a really simple way to do that. I do it uh, a bit more complex, but the really simple way to do it is just um, open up a spreadsheet, pop in five columns, write out um, four or five um, personality traits of your brand, right? Maybe you're energetic, maybe you're um, a disruptor, maybe you're authentic or academic or whatever, right out the, the, if your brand was a person, what would its personality traits be? Um, and then the, the second, that's the first column. The second column is just describe that. So if you're energetic as a brand, what does that mean? Um, you know, you can write it up in a sentence or two. And then the, then the third and fourth columns are do and don't. So if your brand is energetic and you've described what that means, what do you do in your copy? That would probably mean that you're using uh, active voice in the do column and don't would be you're, you're not using uh, passive voice, right? If you're energetic, you're using um, fast moving stories. You're not, uh, that's under the do's, you're not uh, under the don'ts, you're not being, uh, you know, using overly uh, long sentences and really long words. Um, and then the, the fifth column is just any extra notes that you have. So do that for each of the four or five personality traits of your brand. And you're already 10 steps ahead of, of your competition just by defining um, not your avatar yet, but your brand and who you are. Um, and then the next level stuff is, you know, aligning that to 
to the to the clients that you're working with. But that's a good way to start. Um, and, and folks can go to my um, website as well, or go to my podcast. I always drop that link in the show notes to to grab that brand voice template, which gives a lot more than just those columns, but um, but a lot more detail as well. Okay, well, I'll make sure to share all that information um, in the show notes. And if you know, I I I don't say if people should definitely go and check out the podcast. You know, it's good to start like with episode one, but is there, is there a particular episode in this first group? And by the time this airs, you'll probably have 10 episodes out. Um, so maybe you have them mapped out and you know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> is there a particular episode you think would be really interesting for people to check out first? That's a great question because each new episode I put out becomes my new favorite. So mm-hmm. I don't really know what I'm, what I'll say is first of all, episode two is probably a really good foundation it's the one with psyops and story structure um so that's that's a great one the one that i'm working on right now is going to drop on election day and it's about why uh what's going on in our brains as we're trying as 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 people are trying to change our political beliefs so our identity core beliefs the study was a bunch of uh folks like us crazy liberals um Mm -hmm. who were shown conservative statements and what's going on in their brain uh, at the time, and and how do we apply that to to copywriting and getting people to buy our stuff? Um, yeah. So that one's my current favorite. But like I said, every new episode, every new idea is my new favorite. So um, cool. yeah, check out episode two, and then just keep going from there. Maybe they'll be your favorite. Awesome. Uh, each new one too. Awesome. Well, thank you for spending the time with me today. I, I, this is going to be a a very valuable episode for my listeners. I think to check out. Awesome. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey folks, I wanted to take a moment to tell you a little bit about a tool that I use every month. It's called Text Expander, and I, I get a monthly email from them where they report on how much time I have saved by using Text Expander. And I just love getting this because I'm looking at last month, and I saved close to an hour and 17 minutes using Text Expander. If you're if you're not familiar with it, Text Expander basically allows you to insert uh, snippets of text in any app from a library of content that you have created. So I have simple things like my email address and my phone number and my home address, all the way to email templates that I've created or answers to questions that I answer all the time. I can easily shoot these snippets into any app, any email, any document that I'm creating, and it saves a ton of time. Um, I would love for you to check them out. If you are interested in using Text Expander, just go to dannyosmond.com slash Text Expander for more information.